That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. Ding ding. You said my, you said my last one was not energetic enough, so I thought I'd. That was better. It was better? Mm-hmm. I'll take the notes. We're working on it. Yep. Anyway, uh, as always, I am your host, the Commodore. You already gave me the ding, so I'll just move on. And uh, <laughs> we're. What? Good. And we're only 10 minutes late. So, uh, but if you, if you have a problem with us being 10 minutes late, then you can blame my co-host, Rue. Hi, that'd be me. I'm sorry. I was writing notes. I made show notes for the first time ever. Show notes? Show notes. What are those? Uh... Exactly. Would they be be organizational, structured items that will help us keep the uh, flow of the show moving? That's the idea. We'll see how it works. No, no. We've never we've never tried that before. It's a new phenomenon. Uh, thank you, though, for joining us. Uh, yeah, as you can see, we are back on YouTube yet again. Yep. Um, Using the YouTube comments. Yeah. Seeing how that's going. As you do. Um, yeah. A couple of you complained already about no IRC, and I'm surprised by that. Are you surprised by that? Really? I didn't think anybody would use the IRC. One moment. Issues. You're just broadcasting everything. Yes, I don't know where this is coming from. Look, it this is the real show. This is beautiful. There. I don't know where that music was coming from, so we're just gonna kill that page. Anyway. Sorry, we're just gonna IRC yeah, comments. Yes, I'm very shocked about that. Yes, yeah, me too. Considering uh, I, 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 I didn't use it yeah, con- when it was, you know, popular 15 years ago. So well, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, well, but I mean specifically for this show, you know, I, I we just kind of came up with that as a, um, I don't know, a fallback. Would you say something that worked? It was well because when we first started doing YouTube stuff, uh, streaming, I should say, like a year or so yeah. ago year and a half ago the youtube comments didn't so much work at all uh it seems improved so we'll go with that yeah yeah it at least resembles something like a chat now before it was more just like posting comments like a message board and yes that was kind of bad anyway as, as exciting yeah. as our commenting structure is uh I, th- I think we got a lot to talk about tonight i would like to start by uh just reminding everyone that we are a real ass podcast now and find us on the itunes stitcher script thank you that uh and also uh on your uh, pod catching application of choice on android yep and if you can't catch any pods then uh, you can watch the show live like you're doing right now. That's that's the way we like it anyway. Every Wednesday, part first of and third Wednesday. Uh, that's right. 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so what are we going to talk about today? Uh, this, this is one that um, you have particular strong feelings about because of some recent controversy. Well, yes. Eh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to all this. It's, um, yeah. But it's, yes. it's still, we, we're going to talk a little bit about gaming journalism and the ex- mm-hmm. ethics uh, that uh, such things do entail or don't, whatever your perspective might be. Um, that's going to be the topic today. I promise you that's going to be a lot more exciting than it sounds. Um, we will also uh, do what we always do with the show, which is break the show into three basic segments, which are 
as follows. The first will be the tids and bits, the news and notes. That is the portion of the program where we discuss just you know random things in the news we think you guys should could uh, be paying attention to and that we're paying attention to, and we talk about it. And we also turn off our phone. We also turn off our phone, like I've told you, every, every literally every show we've ever done. Every t- every show we've ever done. It's a, it's nice to feel loved. Good. <laughs> Second part of the program is the topic du jour, no. which I've already covered, so I'm not going to do any more of that. And yes. then we will have portion three of the program, which is the question and answer portion. Yes. Uh, now, if you'd like to ask a question, and, and trust me, a lot of people have already thrown a lot of questions in there in the ring uh, for, for this particular show. Um, you don't have to ask a question about the topic du jour. It could be a question about just about anything. Uh, if I don't like the question or the question's way off topic or I think it's a troll, I just won't read the question out loud. Mm-hmm. So uh, quote or, or send your, uh, I, I think, better and well thought out questions. We enjoy uh, all you have to do is tweet me at It's the Commodore and let me know what you would like us to answer live on the air. And yes, Pink to Shipped asked, uh, or I, I think, yes, Pink to Shipped asked, <clears throat> is the podcast free? Yes, completely free. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Just search for Echo Screen Live wherever you'd like. Uh, we do not, we do not sell. Uh, just come and enjoy us, and we'll we'll have some fun. Some fun. The anyway. podcast is free until you get a cough button. Exactly. Once you get well, a cough button, we'll have to charge. It, well, that costs two dollars extra. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll have to we'll have to phase that out. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So let's get to it then, folks. So let so a couple of the news and notes, the the tids and bits, as we call it. Um, that are at all interesting. Probably, probably a little lower you know, before, on the tids and bits today because we got so much to talk about be- with the topic. Before you even get to the tids and bits, and I, there actually will be some talk of literal tids and bits in this news and notes, um, no. I'm excited to see some of the people that we have in the chat. Uh, in particular, Psychopather showed up mm-hmm. for the first time in see a long time. And, and, <laughs> and the gaming uh, anthropologist has shown up, Mr. Blee. Uh, I have a feeling that tonight's topic uh, might be tight, might have tight, might have yeah. slightly controversial, and, and people might be interested to hear our opinions. But anyway, tits and bits, Maybe. go. Who knows? What you got to talk uh, about? Isn't it psychopath? Isn't it? Isn't it odd that, or maybe even sad that that we're the ones that are really excited when our fans show up, the ones that we really want to talk to? <laughs> Yay! Is that bad? I mean, like, we love all you excited? guys. Yeah, shouldn't they be excited that like that we're doing a? We seriously love oh, all you guys, but you know, it's the ones that never show up that, that we just are excited to see and we just take the rest of you for granted. You know, real talk. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's all real talk. That's, uh, that's, what it's, that's what it's all about here in the Echo Screen Live. Okay. Anyway. Tis and bits. Um, you know, the first thing I was going to talk about, which I just remembered, is the last time we were here, we were talking about how Google had purchased Twitch. Um, one of the reasons... It was a rumor. We were... Yeah, it was a rumor, but but you know we were moving back to YouTube. We didn't see a lot of improvement there. We didn't know what was going to happen with Twitch. It was a lot of uncertainty. Well, lo and behold, Amazon bought Twitch instead. What do you think about that? Uh, unexpected, although it probably really shouldn't be. Uh, I think Amazon. I'm talking out of my butt here. Uh, Amazon, I believe, has some of the uh, you know how to put this. They have like the strongest server space in the world, essentially. Like they they host 
so many servers for yeah. their own services like uh, well, Amazon.com, of course, and Amazon yeah. Video, et cetera, et cetera. They actually, you know, lease that out, well, sell it out uh, for websites and such. <clears throat> and yes. I think hackers have tried to take Amazon sites down for various reasons, and they practically can't because it is so yeah. robust. So <laughs> with that in mind, it makes a lot of sense for Amazon to try to use some of that server space for a streaming service like Twitch. Uh, a live streaming service, I should say. Um, in general, I can't argue about it because I think competition's good. If you have mm -hmm. Google, which has, you know, Twitch is the biggest live streaming platform out there. YouTube, mm -hmm. I think, is a close second. Yeah. Again, talking on my butt, it might be reversed. Twitch is definitely the better known. Uh, YouTube's got some issues of its own. But, you know, if Google owned all of it, eh, okay it's a monolith just absorbing more stuff. But now yeah. you have two monoliths with already established, you know, str you know live streaming platforms. Sure. Why not? Uh, we'll see what they and do. The, the market, the market will be interesting for Amazon too, right? I mean, how they want to tie this into some of the products that they make or how they incentivize people to buy more, more stuff on Amazon using Twitch is kind of an interesting concept to me. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to that by any stretch of the imagination, just saying that, um, I'm not really clear about how all that's going to work at the moment, but hey, listen, Jeff um, uh, Bezos is a heck of a lot more uh, successful and smarter than me, so that's I'm sure. Yeah, I give. Uh, and and, and uh, but I do have more hair than he does. You have to admit that. <laughs> so okay. yeah, uh, I, I, so we're basically. I, even. I would say. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't affect me personally all that much either way. But I, I'd rather see Amazon uh, yeah. acquire them just. For the simple sake of competition. Yeah, so. Amazon's already got their own Netflix. Now Amazon's got their own YouTube. Just yeah. makes sense. There you go. All right. Um, another thing that happened that uh, I think would be interesting to talk about is a little thing. We, we, like to t we, we tackle the delicate topics here on the Echo Screen Live. The, the tids and bits, so to speak. The tids and the bits. Uh, <laughs> all the bits, as a matter of fact. Um. Some of you may have heard about a little something known affectionately on 4chan and Reddit as the fappening. Um, the terrible name. Which is a terrible name, isn't it? Isn't it a terrible name? But uh, essentially a lot of uh, pictures of celebrities, purportedly over 100 of them, although that hasn't materialized quite yet. Um, over 100 celebrities' iCloud accounts were compromised by a hacker attempting to download images, uh, which clearly there was some success in doing because uh, very, um, shall we say, private photographs uh, of, um, of, of some celebrities like Jennifer Lawrence, for example, and Kate Upton have been posted. And uh, it, it obviously launched a huge uproar um, about how you know crazy it is and how, uh, you know, how awful people we are because we want to see things like Kate Upton's boobs. But what I think is more important here is not necessarily that. It's that it kind of begs the question about Internet security. One of the things that you and I have talked about many times on this show. Mm -hmm. you know, do we trust the cloud for some of our information or what the, we, the kind of things we want to we, put up there? That was one of our first echo screens like oh. four years ago. See? <clears throat> 
when things started really when the cloud really became a thing and 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 yeah. storing stuff in the nebulous cyberspace kind of became more of an option with the rise of high speed internet i kind of feel the same way now i did then i don't fully trust things like that i don't no. like <clears throat> like I, I would rather have stuff stored locally as a backup at the or, or just in, no as a primary source actually i it's nice to have mm-hmm. some things in the cloud i use things like google docs because i can gather stuff like that anywhere i would certainly Oh, come on, stop it. I would certainly not put um, uh, any sensitive information in the yeah. cloud. The problem is a lot of services today, like iCloud, I think some of these, a lot of these celebrities didn't realize that their stuff was getting backed up there. And um, even after they deleted it locally, trackable. it was being archived there. Right. Um, which is you know something that they may have never even logged into themselves. They just did it because the iPhone comes with it. Because as we all know... Angry man yells at cloud. That's basically me. Right. Uh, As we all know, only idiots use iPhones. Um, So... (laughs) Real talk. Yeah, we we hit we hit the hard hitting issues here. Yeah. No, but but here's 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 the here's the the point. By by the way, a lot of people were attacking Apple because the iCloud was not secure, so on and so forth. Well, it appears now after in depth analysis, um, specifically after calling in some very heavy hitting people uh, in the security world, and I'm not going to do any product placement here, but I could. Uh, uh, came which, in to which, do some analysis, which reminds me the fake uh, the fake. Uh, promotional consideration for Echo Screen Live this week is sponsored by Coca-Cola. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's completely fake. They aren't giving us any money. We just happen to show what they're, you know, some of their products on. It's uh, Coke-tastic. On anyway, go ahead. It's and it might have a crazy name that's not yours on it for some reason. <laughs> um, anyway, because I guess that sells more Coke. I'm not really sure. Um, so, you know, but apparently it seems at this point like iCloud was not in fact compromised, but instead was used, uh, the hack actually came from kind of more of a brute force um, uh, kind of guessing, as it were. This is, uh, quotes, guessing of people's passwords. So that means that of the celebrities that got hacked, I'm going to guess they didn't have, shall we say, the most robust passwords on their accounts. Now, it sounds like you are victim blaming here, sir. Why do you hate women? Yeah, exactly. See, now this 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 dovetails quite nicely into our conversation, doesn't it? Uh, for the for the um, topic du jour. But here's here's what I'll say. I'm going to victim blame in as much as this: when you sign up for any service, you sign a terms of service agreement, which says we're not responsible if you give out your password to other people, or if your password is so easy for people to guess and they know who you are that they can get online with your identity, right? Mm-hmm. And we are responsible if somebody acts like you and actually manages to be you, right, for the purposes of putting in a password. So maybe I'm not necessarily victim blaming. What I'm saying, though, is that there certainly are uh, protections in place for just this kind of thing, two-factor authentication and something like mm-hmm. Gmail, for example. And more places should do that. More, more, more services should do that. I mean... Yes. To be clear, you're not you're not victim blaming. You're saying people be smart to protect your information. What happened here? And don't do drugs like Wes Welker. Don't do drugs. Uh, although I find that stay in school hilarious because the guy on my fantasy football uh, league drafted him way too high, and I told him at the time the concussion prone drug head. But whatever. Yep. Anyway, um, well, 
but no, to get to the, to the point where, I mean, we're not, or you're not, I didn't say much of anything. Uh, you're not say you're not saying that this is not a, a bad thing, that this is an illegal thing that happened and that no, consequences and, will never be the same. The, the people that, that did the hack itself, inevitably, I'm sure will be caught. I'm sure they will, they will pay the price, which sure. will obviously not be very, very much. Uh, if any, if past indicators of what hacking does and the punishments assigned for hacking um, have, that have been levied before, he probably won't do much time or won't have much of a punishment. But, you know, now people are going further, right? So, you know, Jennifer Lawrence's lawyers, for example, are basically stating that if you post any of these pictures anywhere, you are just as responsible as the person that actually did the hack. Yeah. Um, not sure if that's going to hold up in court. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah. in the meantime, Perez Hilton, you're on notice. <laughs> um, all right. So, so enough about the uh, the fappening. Why don't we? I, 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 I'm kind of more interested to move on to the topic du jour. If that's okay with you. Yeah. Let's go ahead and and, and do that. Um, yeah. Uh, quick, quick, quick last tidden bit. It seems uh, with the real reveal of Shulk from um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles as a character in the new Super Smash Brothers, the leak, which was all but confirmed that we talked about a couple weeks ago, definitely seemed confirmed. The full roster yeah. leak. I mean, we'll know for sure within a couple weeks because the game's launching in Japan within a couple weeks, but it's, it's very interesting. Uh, we, we talked a little bit before. I would like to reiterate how excited I am to be able to play as the duck hunt dog. Yeah. That, it's, that, it's going to be, that's pretty much it. Pretty incredible. I'm sure he will be uh, more powerful than Jigglypuff. And uh, <laughs> it's just, he'll have at least two abilities, it, both, both laughing and sniffing. Those I mean, will be his, his key attributes. <laughs> I am, uh, as a retro gamer, I think any retro gamer should be excited to be able to play in a game as the Duck Hunt Dog, as yes. uh, Pac-Man, right. you know, as yeah. as Rob, as Mr. Game Watch. It's just great. I'm very much looking forward to this. Let's move on. Yeah. The, the topic well, du jour. Here, here's, 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 the, here's the best part of that. I, uh, you know... I actually am interested in getting a Wii U because of the fact that there are very good games that are going to be on it now, unlike for the entire time of its lifespan thus far. Do it. Where you you could get something like Mario Kart 8, you know, which I think is a great game, probably the best Mario Kart ever made, at least from what I've played and (laughs) seen so far. I love it. It's great. Um, And, you know, something like Super Smash Brothers or Super Smash Brothers, something like Smash Brothers that's coming to the Wii U. You know, that to me is like enough just right there to fork out the cash for a system. Yeah. Uh, even though, I don't know. I'm not so sure that, that the platform's going to be around all that long. Oh, anyway, I'm on record. For, I'm on record as saying that. All right. So topic du jour. So, yeah. Right. So <clears throat> there, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that have happened recently that have led us to kind of take on this topic. And rather than kind of try to uh, expound on them myself, I'll ask you, since you seem to be particularly incensed, yes. to uh, enlighten our audience as to what they need to know before we have this conversation on the ethics, and I'm still getting you a cough button, on the ethics of video game journalism. Sorry. Strike three. <laughs> okay. Um, so, if you have not been, um, if you've not been privy to the poop show that basically has been social media in the gaming world over the past few weeks. Lucky you. Um, I've been mostly... Is, is Poop Show like a peep show? 
but like with the peep show with more fecal with matter poop. yes yeah yeah um, okay gotcha i'm good with that <laughs> excuse me uh this is something I was tending to try to ignore because it's a lot of people yelling at each other. It, actually, you know what? Tonight's topic really meshes pretty well with some of our previous topics, including the last one, which was Internet Trolls, and a few a few, a few, a few months ago, uh, Women in Video Games. Uh, we were even talking before about how our Mel Brooks episode came in when we were talking in the pre-show discussing the fappening. It's like... One, two, three, four, five. That's the same combination I have on my luggage. Anyway. Only an idiot would have that combination. <laughs> but regardless, <clears throat> I would like... To, and then something else happened that really got me angry and said, okay, that's it. We're talking about this. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But before we start, I would like to calm everyone's teats. I'd like to punch someone in the face. <laughs> I'd like to call you all... Never mind. Um... As far as I, I want, I want to say what we are and what we are not going to talk about. As okay. far as I can tell, I'm defining parameters. Here. I'm defining parameters because there's been a lot of mixing garbage. up. There's been a lot of garbage thrown around and people uh, muddying the issue either through ignorance or deliberate sense. Yeah. Anyway, or maybe they're trolls. You could say that Phil Fish is the biggest troll in the world. Um, <clears throat> for, as far as I can see, there are three debates or arguments going on the first one deals... these, these are, this is our is, these are the things we are talking about no no no. i'm just trying to keep track I, here. there are three things the first two we are not going to talk about officially the gotcha. third one is ethics and video games the okay good so the first debate deals with zoe quinn we're not talking yes. about her but we the, talked about her last time we, we touched on it i mean to to sum up basically this is a, a person who came up with a, a basically a, a choose your own adventure game called depression quest and this started off the whole madness a few weeks ago because her ex-boyfriend uh, revealed a duplicitous nature and how she cheated on him with some other people, uh, some indie game developers, and a video game journalist. Uh, we are not going to talk about her specifically uh, as, as a subject. Um, you know, there have been people that make debates and argue about uh, how she was duplicitous in attacking organizations like the Fine Young Capitalists and Wizard Chan and people that are angry at her uh, for uh, her outspoken feminist slash gaming views. Yeah. That's one that's one argument we're putting in a box and putting it aside. Not yeah. interested in talking about that. This, interested in talking about it, but maybe some other time. It's 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 not it's not what's got my my panties on fire right now. Right. Um Although that sounds exciting. <laughs> the second argument slash debate deals with Anita Sarkeesian, who is someone we've talked about before uh, during the Women in Video Games podcast. And this is a person, if you're not aware, who has been running videos, uh, creating videos about feminism and video games and how video games and creators can be misogynist and sexist and et cetera, et cetera. We're not talking about her people, but just to go over it, people are angry at her for her. They believe they are, she is misrepresenting uh, video games in general. Um, yes. They think she has poorly sourced, poorly researched claims. We've talked before about how we have certain issues with some of the things she says. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I mean, I was talking before it's, she's, <clears throat> In a sense, she's kind of like a, a Jack Thompson type figure where he, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, five, 10 years ago, was saying video games are violent and therefore they cause violence. And she's saying right. video games are sexist and they cause sexism. We right. have issues with this. 
Right. But that's not what we're talking about. Now put that in a no. box and put it aside. Right. The third thing. Did you just threaten to put Anita Sarkeesian in a box? Yes. You're such a misogynist. I am. Uh, the third thing is ethics in video game journalism. Now, this has been going on for years. This has been an issue for years. Yeah. Uh, this is something that really, <laughs> really became big news back in 2007 with uh, Jeff Gerstman, who was essentially... Stop, Adobe Flash Player. It was essentially fired from GameSpot for writing a poor review for Kane and Lynch. Uh, I believe uh, Bioware made that. I, um, I can't remember. Whoever no. whoever made that dang game, which is very forgettable, uh, had yeah. purchased a lot of ad space on GameSpot. And, IDOS? Know, I think it might have been. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I can't remember. It's, he, not, it's a very forgettable game, like you said. Yeah, he was essentially fired, and it was not that was very obviously a breach in video game journalism you know just yes. because you say something bad about your advertiser you get thrown out in the trash right. um there's been lots of other incidents since then um jessica chobot uh previewed uh mass effect 3 for g4 tv while she was also a character in the game you know yeah. and that's something that's People say, well, that's a conflict of interest. What are you doing? Uh, Jeff Keighley, uh, the, there was an issue, incident last year, where, I think it was maybe two years ago, where he yeah, gave was... an interview where he was basically surrounded by uh, Doritos and Mountain Dew. <laughs> Yo, Which has everything to do with Halo 4. And, and Halo 4, yeah, yeah. Just basically just pimping that out. Uh, and, and people took great umbrage about that. You know, uh, there have been lots of incidents of people... Um, kind of pointing out the hypocrisy and, and the problems with video game journalism and the big developers, you know, the big money developers that send out, they go out, they send out press junkets and, and, and $500 chess sets to uh, video game sites to, in order for them to cover games, et cetera, et cetera. That's nothing new. Yes. In the past few weeks, there's been a light shown, I think really for the first time <clears throat> on the coziness between video game journalists and indie game developers. And this right. has caused an issue. This has caused the poop show. Um, Which is like a peep show, but with poop. But more poop. Just just for those of you that aren't paying attention. Yes. Um, uh, so, so what that... Sorry, I got distracted by the stupid Adobe script. Uh, yep. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Adobe. Sorry, I keep getting distracted. I'm trying to go on. I'm trying to get this all out right here. And and so what you have now... These are the pe show notes, folks. Pe people are supposed to... You know, people... The gaming public generally likes the indie game developer. They're the scrappy, yeah. can-do, come-from-nothing you know, people that come and they make a great game and they can get famous from nothing. It's like the American dream, right? Right. People, well, okay, not Phil Fish, but uh, people like Notch, people like Jonathan Blow, who can make yes. these great games out of nowhere and right. they're exciting. When, when it's kind of talked about that, like, hey, maybe they got a lot of maybe they didn't become popular because their game is so great necessarily i mean even though it might be a great game maybe it's kind of kind of they knew the right people maybe it's because yeah. they knew a gaming journalist had a friend who could give That's them a right. little bump then that becomes disturbing and the backlash 
from uh, gaming journalists and video indie game developers has been visceral for the yeah. most part. I, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here. It's been visceral. People basically saying, because all of this was first came up with the Zoe Quinn thing, and, and here's where I'll talk about Zoe Quinn in relation to all this, and I'm kind of filibustering. I'll let, I'll let the Commodore speak in a moment, but I'm just setting the stage. She, One of the people that she had an intimate relationship, it was revealed by her ex-boyfriend, was uh, Nathan Grayson, who is a journalist uh, for Kotaku. And... Yeah. Um, this was investigated. Basically, he didn't write a review for Depression Quest, but he did mention it. And he mentioned her specifically in an article that he wrote involving a game jam that she was in. Definitely gave her some press. Right. At a time. And, and this was all supposed to be a few days before they began an intimate relationship. Not a friendship, an intimate relationship. Now, knowing. Okay, so that supposedly that happened before anything you know serious started. But the fact relationships like that don't just start out of nothing. They were no. at least good friends before that. And this is where people are like, that's a conflict of interest. That That's at least something that should, you know, he should recuse himself. Someone else at Kotaku could have wrote about the game jam. Someone else, or at least he could have said, hey, uh, in a little note. It just revealed it. Yeah. It came clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with putting little... Um, a full information disclosure. Disclosure, thank you. You know, this is not new in, in journalism in general. To put a little disclosure at the bottom saying, hey, I'm friends with this person, blah, 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 blah. You know, right. or, I mean, you could just say things like, uh, I received this game. Polygon, in general, is good about this. They say they say when they get review games, uh, review copies yes. of games for free. Right. That's what should happen. And, and the fact that this was not disclosed up front makes people look twice and they start to question right. more and they say yeah. well what else have, has not been a problem or not been disclosed sure. what do you think right. about that particular incident yeah i mean um it, it sounds to me like i mean you know uh, is it a conflict of interest i don't know i, I mean I, I would i would say it depends on your integrity as a journalist um you're saying if you're I think, a good journalist then you should state yeah, it at least. I, I think I think there are there are good singers and there are bad singers. There are good, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, uh, construction workers and bad construction workers. And I think there are good journalists and bad journalists. And mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily the people that went to school for it or have a particular, um, you know, educational background to be able to understand the ethics of journalism. I just think it has always been a basic journalism 101 kind of thing okay so your first day in journalism class it, it pertains to the fact that you should as a good journalist not do something like this but we live in a world where journalism has come to mean a lot more than what it used to mean right a journalist is not is now not necessarily someone that has been trained in the craft of journalism, but is instead someone that has a particular penchant for a subject and writes about it. I mean, would you consider us journalists? We've written about games before. Maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't consider necessarily my opinion to be an expert one. Um, there are certain things that I might be able to talk about with a certain expertise. But other than that, you know, uh, I make it pretty clear. This is just what, what I think, and 
you know, we do this all the time. This is what we think. This is our show. We think these things. These aren't what you have to think. Um, but we keep to a certain code as a result of that. And I think if people don't want to follow that code because we live in the Internet age where you can say whatever the heck you want, mm -hmm. you know, that's their business. But it's also our business to decide who we want to listen to and who we want to read. Um, and, and by that, I mean who we want to read in terms of whose content we want to read. Right. And I, I think you make some really good points I, I actually was, wanted to touch on is um, when you say, are we journalists? I would say no, obviously not. No, no. But but the thing is, is that it's this is not we're, a we're commentators, potentially. Yeah, it's we're critics. It's yeah, it's not, not it's not the 1940s, you know, no. where you have media and you have right. non media. Yeah, we all have a little line, press thing that sits in our brain. Yeah, our and, we're, and we're 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 typing. We're go, running off to the phone lines to tell the editor about the hot new. Uh, right. the war news or something like yeah. that. Um, not, not to, um, just to quickly interrupt people are having problems with the stream. Try to knock the bit rate down if you can in the settings. Uh, if you're having real problems with the stream, you can't watch us live. Um, you can always catch, uh, catch it after we're done, uh, on the podcast or, or the street, the video will be up anyway. Um, but the th yes, there's a there's like a sliding scale from real dang journalist to essentially blogger, for lack of a better term. We are bloggers, yes. and it's not just in gaming journalism; it's in regular journalism nowadays too. You have really big bloggers, which yep. uh, you know are kind of right there in the middle between bloggers and journalists, like big big sites like Daily Kos or Instapundit that do real investigative journalism but they don't right. work for a big organization you know that's right and there's a question about what what is what and um, then you have meta organizations like some of the places that we'll probably talk about today like where you had um lots of sites that were paid that were corporate sites and i'm not saying that as a good or a bad thing aol owned joystick and engadget for example still does but you know something like the verge or something like um, Polygon is a site that journalists from all these sites come together and pool their money to own their own journalist outlet because they don't want to they want to give their money to the man anymore. Right. Um, so there, you know, one of the things that we that that both of those organizations specifically talked about when they launched was their kind of return to the journalistic integrity for which they had been trained. Yeah. So they they saw a lack of journalistic integrity and wanted to reassert themselves as integral. But at the same time, they're they're also now venture capitalists in their own cause. Right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and this is this is the. I, I kind of derailed my own thought. I, I, I'm a little disturbed at how you know these questions about what is the line uh, in journalism in ethics and journalism, in gaming journalism in particular. We're not even talking about <laughs> ethics and regular journalism, which is a completely separate but also relevant podcast. Um, yes. what, what is the line in gaming journalism? What should you disclose? What you should, recuse, should you recuse yourself from? The fact yes. that people are asking this um, has incensed, like I said before, video game uh, indie devs and journalists, video game mm -hmm. journalists, uh, mm -hmm. And it is being cloaked as misogynistic attacks because the whole Zoe Quinn debacle started everything off. And yes. now, granted, as in any situation, 
you are going to have the trolls on the far reaches okay yes on one side you have a, you know some people on 4chan that are like yes take down zoe quinn because she's a feminazi and we hate her and blah 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 get her out of plotting her demise for no reason other than the fact that they are just trying right. to get a rise out of people exactly yeah. on the other side you have people like phil fish saying you are raping this woman in the public square or you have uh, you are participating in public shaming and you should all be ashamed of yourselves as a result because you're just as bad as any, any yeah. of the behaviors that you're critiquing. Or, or Devin Faraci, I don't even know how to say his name, who literally tweeted, I have more respect for ISIS than the anti-Quinn people, which on its face is a ridiculous statement. Completely ludicrous. Okay. And any person that would seriously. actually knowingly <clears throat> say that without, without their tongue firmly planted in their cheek is an idiot and that's what and that disturbs me because there are journalists like gaming journalists that i actually respect and there's not a lot of them but there are some that are coming out and they are couching this in either saying oh anyone who questions you know video are you know oh ha ha we have to say anytime we uh you know get paid to do a review you know by by the by the video game company we write for or hey i i you know, my Kotaku paid for my coffee. Haha, ha, that means I'm totally uh, a, a shill or something like that. And right. they and they tweet these things out because that's what Twitter is good for is just, you know, sure. pooping out whatever statement comes in your head. And they're belittling sure. it and they're putting up these straw man arguments. And that frustrates the crap out of me because they're not taking it seriously. Yes. Um, and I, I want to specifically mention one of the probably actually the best uh, guy, the best journalist to come out of this in my mind. I follow him on Twitter and I suggest most of you or all of you do that as well. And it's Jason Schreier who actually writes for Kotaku. Mm-hmm. And at first when all this came out, he was with the, all, the, all the other journalists like, ah, this is ridiculous. What are people getting all up in arms about? But then after a few days, after stuff started hitting the fan and more came out, he said he posted on NeoGAF and he posted on his own Twitter and he's like, look, I, I understand what people are, are getting at. This is serious. There are real journalistic integrity questions that need to be addressed. Having Absolutely. said, you know, having said that, there's ridiculous people on on both sides, and we need to, you know, cut them out. Uh, but yeah. this is something that we need to look at. And I really, really respect him. People will say, ah, Kotaku's a rag regardless, and everyone there sucks. Jason Schreier, we've seen him at, at uh, yeah. Paxi's panels. And yeah. even if the panel wasn't that great, he was very good. He's a thinking yes. he's a thinking guy. That's what I ask of you folks. Think. Don't just reactionarily lash out if you're on one side or another. Why are we on sides in particular? You gotta stop and you gotta think and you got to analyze the situation. Is this right. is this something that's worth worrying about? And yeah, in the grand, grand scheme of things, there's so many things. There's like <clears throat> war between Ukraine and Russia and ISIS is beheading journalists in the Middle East. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, this doesn't matter all that much. But yeah. the question I put out right here is, does it matter if we have ethics in gaming journalism? Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, there's that I don't think it does. And, and, and I'm going to say that uh, in potentially a shocking way, because I, I think that with almost every issue out there that you can possibly identify, there are going to be the trolls on both sides to the extreme, not, not just trolls on both sides, because there are people that I think can legitimately have opinions 
on both sides of these issues. It is fine to disagree with people who make uh, um, active and strong and robust points that are not just straw man arguments. Um, it is perfectly fine to disagree with someone and to continue to disagree with them despite the fact that you don't see eye to eye on something. Um, but there will always be trolls on the extreme of both sides. And so your last point, I think, was the best, mm -hmm. which is that in none of these people, be they journalists, be they bloggers, be they critics, be they whatever other term we just tried to use there, um, none of these people are able to do what they do at all unless there is a consumption of what they do. So, you know, the, the thought has always been that someone like a game journalist that has a tremendously large audience, oh, it should be incumbent upon them. They have a moral obligation. I'm going to go that far because that's, that's the way it used to be. Yeah. A moral obligation to present with, with factual accuracy, the utmost in factual accuracy, um, the events that have, that have unfolded. You know, I think that, that that's a lot of hooey. I think that at the end of the day, there is, you know, we as consumers have to be able to be smart enough to do our own investigation and to make up our own minds. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing people have been saying about news consumption for years. You know, oh, do you watch this particular channel with this particular event or this particular channel with this particular event or whatever the case, all on down the line. And everybody thinks something about every media outlet that they, that they look at. Yeah. And somehow the kind of truth gets hammered out, gets beaten the crap out of it and sits somewhere in the middle of all of that. It's not everywhere. It's not in one place versus the other. It's kind of somewhere in the middle of all that. The truth exists. And I think that it's the same thing here. We have to be better consumers. That's what you ask people to be to think. Yeah. In, in my in my in, I'll translate that to say be a better consumer of information. The Internet is not just about quick information. It's certainly not always about accurate information. But it should give us the ability to quickly sift through information to kind of figure out what the truth is. And, um, you know, as a result, I think there will, you know, if, if you're a journalist, if you are, you know, you present yourself as being a game journalist that, and you have no journalistic integrity, something like this is inevitable, in my opinion. People sniff out those kinds of things. They realize what you're doing and they move on and they vote with their feet to read other folks that <clears throat> appeal to their sensibilities and their, their sense of truth and taste. Yes. Uh, that you, you hit the nail on the head. We, as con we need to be better consumers of information. Don't just run with one side and no. don't just pick one side reactionarily and then don't change your mind regardless Absolutely. of what information comes out. Mr. Hayden puts it very well. There is no such thing as unbiased holy news outlet no. uh, in life and especially not in gaming journalism. Uh, I think the best thing we can ask gaming journalistic to, to do coming out of this is um, to just be more upfront. There is yes. no such thing as too much uh, information in in terms of, um, 
either recusement or or what i can't even think of the word i'm sorry my brain is blanking you were saying before when you put out a statement saying disclosure disclosure yeah. there's no such thing as too much disclosure well okay? I, 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 I mean because I, you're not I going, disagree with that well, well disagree with that. you're not going to avoid these very close-knit relationships between video game yeah. journalism and indie game development it goes back and forth i mean i i I follow. I don't follow all that many people on my Twitter, but the ones that I do who are in journalism or in the indie game scene, they have hopped back and forth. I mean, I mean, yes. uh, Frank Cifaldi, who used to work at Gama Sutra, now develops games. Be wh yes. Why? Because journalism is a very, very difficult business uh, yes. to make a living at, and a lot of them yeah. move over to game development because they know a lot about those video games. You're not going to avoid those close ties, in particular, right here. I think um, uh, letting people know what relationships you have if you're writing an, an article about a particular yeah. game or a particular developer at least puts it out there so that we can be those better consumers of information. Yeah, so so I, I agree with that. The, the only thing I took issue with what you said was that there can never be too much kind of disclosure or, 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 or information. Or that... as Mr. Pranger puts it, there's no such thing as too much transparency. Yeah, I mean, transparency is a different conversation because transparency just means that your facts bear out over time because they are clear. Um, but in terms of disclosure, you know, and, and anyone that's ever done any kind of academic writing um, will tell you this. As soon as you are asked basic research questions and you distill what you're actually trying to answer with a piece of academic writing, this is not journalistic writing, academic writing mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. then you have to take out your baseball bat figuratively and you have to beat up those questions as much as possible and what you start to realize is that to answer any of those questions you have to answer almost innumerable number of other questions that will limit the scope and limit your capability to make the point you're actually trying to make and if you chase that rabbit down the hole it never stops so you know it makes me think of the old Carl Sagan adage, you know, in order to bake an apple pie, you must first invent the universe, right? <laughs> so those things aren't linked together necessarily, but he, but let's think of, let's, he's actually right, right? I mean, you, you would have to have a universe in order to bake an apple pie or else the entire concept of apple pie is meaningless and so on and all the constituent parts of it wouldn't exist. I say all that to, to really talk about the idea that there is, there is enough there is a certain level of disclosure that I think is appropriate um, to be able to do the kind of journalistic work that people do. And, and I'm going to defend um, the traditional school of journalistic thought. You know, people go to school to study journalism because there is an academic rigor that has been put around the practice, just as there is with psychology, just as there is with any other field that you might want to name, there is a certain amount of, of rigor that has been put through. There's a methodology that's been hammered out over time. And generally, there is a consensus of thought around those kinds of things. Those things were, were definitely uh, circumvented in the cases you just talked about. Okay. 
But that doesn't mean we have to open the floodgates and now everybody has to play by, you know, has to just say everything that they, they, they need to say about them. Well, you know, I'm writing about this and the person that I'm writing this about, uh, you know, once resided in the state of Texas and I was born in the state of Texas, so I better let it. Well, you don't see, need to make any disclosure about it. Now you're, now you're doing the slippery slope argument, which is which and, and kind of belittling it, which is what a lot of these journalists have been saying. You're like, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't talk about all this. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, what is wrong with disclosure? There's a, but there's, a, but my point is, there's nothing wrong with disclosure. My point is, there is a certain okay. amount of disclosure that that is absolutely important and is absolutely vital. And you know who who comes up with those <laughs> concepts? Journalists do over decades yes. of academic work in journalism. Now, does that mean they always get it right? Absolutely not. Not even, not even close. People make mistakes all the time, and journalism itself. You know, it, just looking in the American past, this isn't even journalism, in, in, you know, as a whole, but we're obviously biased being American to some degree. You know, look at what journalism was in, say, the 20s, right? Journalism in the 20s had more to more in common with the National Enquirer than it does with the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Right? Yellow journalism. Right. And, and but that was a that was, you know, it's it's more BuzzFeed, you know, oh. than it is anything else. Right? Yeah. So, so even the idea of journalism proper has changed so drastically the, yeah, over over the course of even just a hundred years. The idea of the unbiased journalist is like a sixty-year-old convention, absolutely, or something essentially. Because because people started to think about, yeah, maybe we should develop a methodology around what journalism really is, and maybe people that that do journalism should have some kind of ethical code. Now, do I think that you necessarily have to have the ethical code? No. But I think you get you don't end up with results like this is my point. You don't end up with this kind of crap if a certain level of ethical code, a certain level of disclosure, a certain level of the rules of the road are maintained that you learn in journalism school or if you don't have your head halfway up your butt. Mr. Hayden in the chat, <clears throat> I believe, is is recommending a book uh, saying Muckrakers to Marketing, A Timeline of American Journalism. That sounds pretty fascinating. I think that'd be something worth reading. Um, <clears throat> so you, ma- you make a point in that uh, journalists, the journalistic code that is in regular media, real grown up ass media like the New York whatever Times the hell that or means. whatever. Whatever the hell that means. And, right? and I mean, it's not like there's no problem. It's, it's not like there aren't ethical quandaries at regular media outlets all the time anyway. Regardless, um, right. you said that takes decades to develop the part. The fact that video game journalism is a relative like at the very at the very oldest. It, I mean, it began like 30 years ago in, in the early yes. 80s. Uh, it, it is a young it is a young uh, monster. It's a young animal online video game journalism, only about 15 years old, roughly. Um and not only that, but the fact that it's so closely tied to a younger audience that is very internet savvy, and there's a lot of things that you know that regular journalists don't even have to worry about. It's it's growing, and I think this is part of the growing pains. These are people who write for Kotaku or Polygon or whatever need to realize what these boundaries are, and they need to take them seriously. And when there yes. is an outcry saying like, "Hey, um, hey, Patricia Hernandez," uh, when you write reviews of people that you used to live with, of games that were made by people you used to live with, you should at least tell us. At I, I think there's that's at most completely fair. At most, I think everybody can agree about that, right? right. And, and and people, 
if that is brought up by people, there shouldn't be a reactionary, reflexive, um, uh, you know, what's the word, the phrase I'm trying to, you know, uh, circling, like circling the wagon saying, you're just a misogynist because you're, you know, yelling at this woman who is a woman. Uh, As soon as as we, as soon as we resort to name calling of any kind, uh, in terms of belittling someone's position based, that's that's called kitchen sinking. That's an ad hominem attack, as we call in debate. Yes. And Lots it means of that you're out of, and it, yeah, and it's and it means that you're out of facts to argue. Um, it yes. is what many people do to completely destroy an argument. You are a racist. Yes, exactly. And, and so, and another thing that was come up, and not as severe a an example, but Ben Kuchera, who I have tons of problems with regardless you know just irrespective of anything else uh that we're talking about tonight but who who now writes for polygon formerly of the penny arcade uh report um had published an article about zoe's you know basically wrote an article about zoe quinn and how she was harassed and blah 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 blah, giving her press and he also gives her money through patreon uh this is a very new thing patreon this is something again that normal journalists don't have to worry about they don't need to fund uh uh you know people in in the government uh right through patreon be, to to make games or anything like that and so now the question that was put forward and a lot of video game journalists were poo-pooing it is like well is it okay for video game journalists to fund people that they write about you know yeah. is that a conflict of interest jason schreier said you know what yes that's different from buying a game for your own enjoyment this is specifically supporting someone's lifestyle someone's life so that they can do whatever um i agree uh, i i think it's it's a it's a lot murkier than the clear-cut example i was just talking about with patricia hernandez hernandez but it is it is true i i think that's something that should at the very least be uh uh re- you know revealed information but i i don't think it's too uh iron-fisted to for for a particular media outlet to prevent their video game journalists from supporting developers on Patreon. And yes. the best real real world example I can come up for this, uh, it, it, there was something tickling my brain the first time I, I, heard, I heard about this, <clears throat> and it was Keith Olbermann, mm. who was suspended back when he was on MSNBC. Um, right. In the 2010 elections, he had donated $2,400 to three Democratic con- candidates for Congress. Um one of which had appeared on his show right before he made these donations. And because of that, that was against MSNBC's journalistic standards, and he was suspended for a few days because of that. Now, I'm not asking for Ben Kuchera to be fired or suspended or anything. I'm just asking that that same type of uh, journalistic, you know... Standard. Standard transparency... You know, it's the same kind of thing. Actually, it's technically even worse for a Patreon because that money is going directly to the person. That, yeah. You know, this was a donation to a campaign, you know, that Olbermann did. So it's, I, I just ask that that kind of be. Yeah, and brought, I, I think, again, you know, well. things should be revered, loved, hated, celebrated on the merits of what it does and what it is. It's one of the reasons we have the site that we have. Because we celebrate the good things in the video games that we all love. And it's one of the things that I think does, I know we're not specifically talking about this, but does separate, I like to think, my own work from something like Anita Sarkeesian, who I think I would 
you know, get along with in an intellectual debate, but probably would not agree with in many cases, is that we should try, instead of just trying to poke holes in everything wantonly, we should try to posit uh, uh, positive examples that denote the, the kind of crux of solvency that we're pointing toward, right? Yes. In, in, in my case, I tried very, very hard to say, yes, these are some issues that are prevalent. But wouldn't it be nice if we could see some examples of where that wasn't the case? And I spent a lot of time talking about that because that's the focus of what I think should be brought out. There's no, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to learn from both of those things at the same time and kind of reflect both parts of society, both the ugly and the good at the same time. Seems like she's being a little bit uh, single-sided on that. But again, we all have to be good we all have to be better brokers of information. We all have to be better mm-hmm. consumers of information that, that's, when, we, when we decide what we're going to read and what we're going to actually <clears throat> crap back out there regardless. I think that is the uh, that should be the thesis statement of this podcast. We need to be better consumers of information. We need to ask for better brokers of information. And you know what else? Here's, here's an, let, let me talk about this because you talked about something I thought we didn't get to talk about a lot, but it's a great conversation. Okay. And that is the closeness of the um the kind of i'll call them the artists themselves and the people that write about artists okay mm-hmm. so you talk about the people that make independent gaming games and the people that write about gaming now if you picked up the the phone right now and said i am a journalist and i want to talk to the head of ea games to talk to them about you know the new madden game and blah blah, blah. If you pick up the phone and you try to call that person, could you get that person on the phone? Most likely unless, not. Unless you have mad-ass skills. And, <laughs> or and connections, I, really. Or really, really good connections. And even then, it would be tough. It's going to be really hard to get that person on the phone in one shot. If you wanted to pick up the phone and, or at least pick up a computer and shoot somebody an email that made your favorite independent game, odds are you're going to be able to shoot in one shot, you're going to get an answer, and you're going to be able to hit that person and know that they read what you wrote. Because that's part of the world that we live in, all right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's closeness there. Secondly, I point to the burgeoning uh, art, uh, I'll call it, of rock and roll journalism in the 60s, okay? And anybody that saw the movie Almost Famous knows what I'm talking about, all right? You have this, the, the idea was you had these artists and then you had these starving artists who couldn't be artists. So instead, they just tried to hang around as many artists as possible and write about them. Now, does that mean that all the journalism that came out of the 60s was bad or was wrong? Absolutely not. Listen, a lot of people get, get um, a lot of people get, I think, <laughs> very close and, and, and very good information and celebrate the right things about music and about art by getting close to it. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of these people were just people that couldn't be artists in the 60s. So they just wanted to hang around other artists. What I think you've seen in in gaming is the same kind of thing. It is very hard, as you put it, to make a living in video gaming, Mm -hmm. especially with the traditional corporate structures that have existed in video gaming for decades now. it's, It's harder to make a living in video game journalism. I would, it's I would much say. harder. Yeah. Much harder because there are much fewer outlets. But if you, know, if you wanted to go befriend an, in, an indie gamer 
and talk about ideas that you had that are going to change the way people play video games, it's probably not going to be that hard to try to get in on the ground floor, right? And I think a lot of people are doing that. They've gotten so close to their their subject that you know they they are not able to remove themselves and make an objective or even forget objective, but a mostly or at least concertedly objective perspective available for people. And that's the problem with getting close. Indie gaming is kind of a new thing, just like kind of indie rock and roll or you know all these other indie publishing that's going on. There, it's much easier to accept and access, I should say. So people are taking advantage of that and getting very close. But this is not the first time we've seen that in media, and it's not the last time we'll see it either. Yeah, and, and like I said before, it's you're not gonna, you're not going to end it. I don't even know if it's right to end it because these are just a lot of these are friendships that people come up with, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. We just we just need to know about it. If we're yeah. if there's people are supposed to be reporting on this, we should know about it. Be um, friends with whoever you want to be friends with. Live whoever you want to live with. And if you want to be a game journalist, absolutely fine. But, you know, you should at least tell us. If that if our idea of what you do would compromise, you know, our view of what you're about to say by virtue of the fact that, you know, you might have some kind of conflict of interest, we should all probably know about that. Um, before we, and I apologize for how long we're going. I kind of thought this would be a long one. I yeah. also apologize for the technical issues. I, I've I've been seeing the dips in in views because YouTube is like dropping people at random times and bringing them back. So <clears throat> it got angry. We talked about Twitch and because they didn't end up with it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, again, if you've been having any problems reading or, or watching this, uh, we'll have the podcast and the video up tomorrow. Watch, listen at your leisure. But there's one more thing I want to talk about before we go to the the Q and A yep. section. Uh, while I, while I expound on this, would you like to again tell people how they can ask you questions? Yes, so so we're coming up on the question and answer portion of the program. All you have to do, if you'd like to ask us a question, I got lots of them already. But any of you that would like to ask a question, could be about the topic du jour, could be about anything in the world that you want to ask about. All you have to do is tweet it to at it's the Commodore. That happens to be me. Just tweet it over to me, and uh, the you know the best questions we pick out during the course of the show, we will read and answer live on the air. Okay, continue. All right, so. At the beginning, I said that I was going to drop all this and not even talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Sorry. Um, but there was one thing in particular that had come out recently that actually got me angry. And I, and I wanted to address before we end tonight. Yes. Um, a few days ago, on, uh, I want to say, August 28th, there were eight separate articles across various news sites, some of them gaming related, some of them just regular news sites or tech news sites, basically decrying the end of the gamer, trying to put an end to the the, the, the term gamer. Here, let me go over some. <clears throat> Gamers don't have to be your audience. Gamers are over. Lee Alexander, Gamasutra. An awful week to care about video games. Chris Plant, Polygon. The Death of the Gamers and the Women Who Killed Them, Casey Johnson, mm -hmm. Ars Technica. A Guide to Ending Gamers, Devin Wilson, Gamasutra. We Might Be Witnessing the Death of an Identity, Luke Plunkett, Kotaku. Gaming yeah. is Leaving Gamers Behind, Joseph Bernstein, BuzzFeed. Sexism, sexism, misogyny, and online attacks, it's a horrible time to consider yourself a gamer. Patrick O'Rourke, <laughs> The Financial Post... 
It's dangerous to go alone. Why gamers are so ang- why are gamers so angry? Arthur Chu, The Daily Beast, and The End of Gamers by Dan Golding on Tumblr. Um, those were all on August twenty eighth. Those were all during one day. That's odd. <laughs> that that yeah. all of that came out on one day. Isn't it though? And 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 isn't it isn't it? Um, w- what does one think? A reasonable person that's not caught up in the middle of this, which I believe that both of us pretty much are. I mean, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I don't think you do either. Um, you know, I don't care who wins this argument. I could care less. If anything, I'm wow. just kind of sitting here watching the the world blow up and kind of going, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, in general. Um, but can't wouldn't a rational person look at all of those headlines and say, gee, Maybe people are blowing this thing up way past. Yes, it's 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 required proportions. And I think this is. I, I was saying before, a lot of game journalists and, and regular journalists, journalists even watching on the outside, have been watching this and they're reacting in a yes. horrible manner, a belittling yes. manner, a straw man type, you know, uh, manner. This is an overreach. Stop yes. it, Adobe Flash player. Um, yeah, that's an overreach too. That is, I mean, a, let's be honest. Adobe, yeah. stop it. Uh, this is this is an overreach, and I think this is the point where the journalists who were they overplayed their hand, and they yeah. said, basically saying that the crux of most of these articles, pretty much all these articles, is if you identify yourself as a gamer. You are a misogynist. You are out to destroy Zoe Quinn and send right. death threats to Anita Tarkeesian. Why are you so angry? Why do you hate women? Why do you consider yourself a gamer? We are moving past gamers. Games are for everyone and not just gamers. And gamers are bad. It is, it is frankly, terrible. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the worst. It's, it's, it is simultaneously the worst oversimplification and the worst kind of prejudicial, prejudicial mislabeling of people that you could possibly ever come up with in this particular form of journalism. They are oversimplifying the, what's actually going on here. You and I just spent an hour talking about it. Yes. They're oversimplifying that, number one. And number two, they are completely prejudicially, prejudiciously categorizing potentially millions of people across the globe because their concept of gamer does not fit yeah. with a mold that they themselves have created. That is asinine at best. It is. And it's, it is disheartening to see people who write about video games. This is their job to write articles in investigative journalism about video games. And they flat out on Twitter and in these articles are belittling the people who read their content. Ben Kuchera in particular had tweeted, well, I don't like want these people to read my content anyway. They can go fly a kite or whatever. He didn't Which exactly say that, but you know what I'm saying. And if all of us do it, he won't have a job anymore. Right. It's it's very... They're, they're uh, basically taking people who play video games people who are passionate that's what gamers are people who are passionate about video games and they are putting them into a box and saying you know what you are a white 
male neck beard who has no no social life. You right. are uh, hateful toward women and yep. you're angry and you just yes. like blowing up people on your halo. And why do you hate women? Which and is precisely is- the exact same kind of prejudice that they themselves are trying to accuse. Yeah. Everyone else of exhibiting, and it's it is the irony burns. It it this is what it made burns. me so angry. For, as someone growing up, growing up, I effectively had no brothers, brothers and sisters. I uh, was essentially an only child. I, I had like half brothers and sisters that were much older than me. Didn't live with me. Neither here nor there. Regardless, I spent a lot of time with video games. As I'm sure yes. many people listening to this right now, they wouldn't be listening to this if they weren't involved with video games somehow. Video games are very important to me. They have established. They they are a very important factor as to how I grew up. I feel very indebted to people like Shigeru Miyamoto, to people like um, Nobuo Uematsu, to people who uh, basically formed the person I am today. And I can proudly consider myself a gamer. Yes. And for someone to basically try to poison that well, not with just someone, lots of someones, all in the same freaking day, to poison, try to poison that well and saying, no, you can't be a gamer anymore or you're a misogynist and you're a bad person. I, find, I take great umbrage at that. Yes. And this, I, I think, the obviously, the gaming community realizes this. It was after this stuff started coming out that I saw... You know, even people who were on their side mm-hmm. at, at the beginning on, on Twitter and stuff, I've been having my ear to the ground for the past week or so, even people who were on their side at first starting to come out and say, that's a little ridiculous. You're overreaching. Stop. Yes. You're, you're making yourself look bad. And I think that's the that's basically where this argument is going to end. They're going to lose this argument because of the overreach. One more thing. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of... The debacle at uh, involving PAX. Um, yes. I, I believe it was about a year ago when uh, Mike Krahulik, I believe that's correct. Uh, Close uh, enough. Basically, Gabe from Penny Arcade. Yes. Had a series of tweets uh, that people considered uh, offensive to transgender people. Uh, he was referencing a Kotaku uh, article that was talking about. Um, that said, not all women have vaginas. And he's like, I, I thought all, all women had vaginas. You know, that that's kind of silly. Um, a, a man is a man has a penis and a girl, a girl, boy has a penis and a girl has a vagina. And that incensed a lot, like really angered a lot of people who yes. were, you know, like, hey, transgender people aren't like that. Blah, 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 blah. And, and he was, you know, you read through these tweets and he's not being a mean. He's not being a, he's not trying to be mean or a dick. No. He is speaking from a, a point of genuine um, uh, misunderstanding or, or right. ignorance. And I mean ignorance in the purest sense of the form, as in he just doesn't right. understand what, what the problem is. Not, not in the Michael Jackson sense. <laughs> That's ignorant. That's uh, but he, he went through it. And, you know, he, he, he talked with people and he, and you know what? He came out a couple days later and he said, you know what? I was wrong. I apologize. In addition, I am going to, uh, put some money behind this to show how I am. I am upset about it. And I'm going to donate to this transgender, uh, you know, aid charity. Yep. 
That's not good enough for a lot of people. No. A lot of people are still to this day boycotting PAX. PAX which East, is great PAX Prime, PAX whatever. That means more tickets for the rest of us, which is a great thing. So in keep th- the boycott up, please. In theory. But that makes me angry. We yes. have gone to every PAX East that has existed. Yep. And in the very first one, the only... No, I went to two keynotes. But the, the one I, I really enjoyed was that first one where Will Wheaton who I also have problems with, but whatever. He had a great keynote where he said, welcome to PAX. This is your home. I, as a geek, as a nerd, as a gamer, have never felt more welcome, more at home than at PAX East. And you might say, well, you're a white male, whatever. No, no. We've been with... We've been with people... uh, uh, We just went with the PAX with a uh, young lady as well who... I don't think she felt threatened at any point. People are very welcoming. It it is a place where people who let's face it are there are a lot of people with social um, issues, okay, mm-hmm. who are in a part of our ho- hobby, and they can mm-hmm. go to PAX and they can feel at home. They can feel welcome. They can interact with people without fear Absolutely. of us, uh, you know, being ostracized or like, oh, you're weird uh, or anything like that. And even better, the the next thing that he said, because you're right about that part, but but question, but the second thing he said was that this is a place for which the labels that describe you everywhere else do not pertain. Labels don't matter here. The only label that matters here is that you are at PAX and you are a geek. That's here because, you know, we are one geek nation together, essentially. Yes. So all of those labels that people attach to you outside of this of this place, whatever that might be, you know, eccentric, crazy, you know, um, uh, uh, know, Republican, Democrat, any label you can imagine doesn't matter. Because once you come through this door, we're we're all one big family of gamers. And you know what? Just like you, I choose to I choose to accept that version of reality and reject the idiocy, the lunacy that's being projected by these morons in uh, th- that you just named with all these articles, the nine the nine articles you identified. Yeah, and, and yes, to to put it to put it, uh, try to wrap it up and put it more succinctly. Uh, I, I'm I'm equating these things. The people that want to try to shut down packs because they feel that. Gabe is uh, transphobic, even though he has done. I don't know what else he could possibly do to apologize more and and to shut down something that is a genuine home for a lot of people who otherwise would not have one. I find yes. offensive and it, it angers me. And it, and, and the same it, thing with trying to shut down the identity as a gamer. This is something yes. that brings people together. And they find common cause and they I, going to these conventions. I have the best time. People are so nice to each other. It's right, ridiculous. Absolutely. And people can find these common causes. Yeah. Even if they disagree yeah. about other things. And, and, and I think, you know, that's the most important thing that Will Wheaton said. And, and, and if I could wrap this up in two points, this is what I would say. One, you learn very quickly with these kinds of articles and others Again, a journalism 101, the first day you're there, they teach you something. And that is that, that journalists 
have serve what we call an agenda setting function in society. What does that mean? It means that journalism sets the agenda for things to think about in this country. Now, notice what I said. It's not, the, in other words, journalists can't tell you what to think, but journalists can tell you what to think about. There can be an abuse of that power. If all they want you to do is think about one thing, then nine articles come out on the exact same day with a particular bent to them, okay? That's them trying to make, make you think like them. They want to tell you what to think. But journalists can't do that. All they can tell you is what to think about. Being a better consumer of information makes you reject what people are trying to get you to think, being like them. Secondly, the other thing I think this proves is that, holy crap, people will do just, there are some people in our society, God bless them, there are some people in our society that will not be happy unless they are absolutely outraged about something. And that gets so tiring on a daily basis. Even, even as you just said, the wonderful community that we have in video gaming, the wonderful community that we built around with geekery and all the kinds of things that we follow with Dungeons and Dragons and all these kinds of things that we do, as welcoming and wonderful as they've been to us, okay? There are some people that are so, that need to be outraged about something so badly, their lives are so meaningless that they have to be able to be outraged about what's going on here and, and try to just pick holes in everything that's out there. And, and I, I just think that's more of an indication of people's inadequacies than it is about gaming, which is why at the end of the day, you and I probably, you know, we're mad about this, but as you say, it's going to go away and we're going to continue to be gamers and we're going to continue to have a lot of fun uh, doing what we do in this little geekery kind of world we've built here. And that's not to say that feminism and gaming is an important issue. That's not to say that there aren't trolls that send death threats to people. Uh, that That is horrible, obviously. Uh Obviously, that's horrible. Uh, yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's be serious. Uh, that is the fringe. That is the yes. fringe people. And we need to not take that small fringe and whitewash an entire group of people because Bingo. we don't like what they're saying uh, about any particular issue and just right. vilifying them. That's all. It is the antithesis of journalism. On both sides. Which is exactly. It, which is exactly. Exactly what the crux of the show is so folks thanks for the wild ride there that was a lot Sheesh, of fun we, we, we talked we talked about a lot of things and you know this this is just proof here on the echo screen live that we sometimes like to talk about very serious issues and you know what we're all adults here and we can talk about it in a way that should neither be offensive nor should it be a factual and um, at this point i'd like to point out that we do have some minor affiliations with very very minor people at uh, the company of nintendo um, who might or might not be on the chat right now. And I just want to disclose that to you. Because not a spokesman, though. As, as, yeah, not a spokesman, not a spokesperson at all. Uh, uh, but my, and, I, and I say minor affiliations, just so, so that's very clear. Um, and those of you that don't get the joke, go watch some of our old podcasts. Like, okay. Like episode six, basically. Like episode six. So it's, it's a while back there. Um, all right. We need to get to the question and answer portion of the program. Let's so, do that. If people want to ask you questions right now. They're going to have to get in line because there's a lot of them. But how, how do they do that? Uh, <laughs> all you have to do to ask a question about the topic du jour, about anything else you've seen here, 
Uh, we've got some topics here that ranging from they want to talk about the topic. We've got some people asking about completely unrelated stuff. We've got people asking about, uh, you know, where you and I reside. So there's all kinds of questions already. In all house. you have to do is throw your questions, tweet them over to me at It's the Commodore, and uh, I'll read the best ones here, and we'll answer them live on the air. We're going to try to go quickly, okay? Because we've, we've already right. worked up a lot of time here. We have. Okay. <sighs> Ready? Yes. All right, so um, I've got a question here from Josh. He asks, why should ethics be a part of journalism? Isn't, isn't it just informed opinions? Ethics don't apply to facts and evidence, right? I think we answered this to a certain degree before, but I'll just reiterate, okay? Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with people getting on to a, um, getting onto a site and giving opinions, be they informed or ill-informed. Unfortunately, we see more ill-informed than informed these days. There was, I don't think there's an ethics to that. I really don't. But to, but to become the mouthpiece of a particular you know, journalistic um, source, to, to be the source of information about something, there is a very well-designed and, and very robust field of study called journalism. And the folks that study that are the people that really understand that ethics are, are very important for producing content that is helpful for people to understand what's going on, which is why journalists exist to begin with. So being a journalist is different than someone, than, than someone that has an opinion, mm -hmm. because as we all know, opinions are like assholes. And everyone has them, but yeah, not think, everyone is a journalist. I think you summed up very well. Also, we did kind of talk about it at length already. I think that is what you just said basically is part of the delineation between a journalist and a critic. Anyway. Yes. And we happen to be critics, not journalists. So that's why we can say this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chris asks, will you be at MAGFest this year? Will you? No. I will. Actually, I'm also going to MAGFest 8.5 in about a week and a half. So if you happen to be in the D.C. area, come on down, have some fun. There will be a few panels, RetroWare themed. Should be, should be a good time. I notice Mr. Pranger on the same type of uh, uh, you know, topic is asking in the chat, when are we going to be on the West Coast, specifically the Pacific Northwest? I will be at the uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo, one of my favorite shows to go to, uh, October 18th and 19th, I believe, of this year. You should come, Mr. Pranger, and anyone else who is there should really come. It is an excellent show, purely about retro video gaming. Tons of fun. Anyway. Take that, you jerks. <clears throat> uh, Ryan asks... <laughs> that, was, you that was violent. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just, just trying to sell your opinion there with a little, <laughs> little oomph. Uh, do you consider reviewers who give positive reviews of games for pay... To be a modern incarnation of payola. Well, obviously, uh, Ryan exposed my point long before I made it. Mm -hmm. But that is essentially the point that I made. This has happened before in other media, yeah. right? We see this all the time, right? Uh, if you go to a lot of countries of the world today that don't have the value on journalistic freedom that we have in this country and in most of the Western world, I'll know that, although not all of it, um, you will find a lot of control on the media that stems far beyond pay and goes to you know, deeply seated corruption and deeply seated political favors and those kinds of things. So it, it exists everywhere. Um, the issue is, you know, how do we deal with it? And as I've always said, 
You ignore the things that are terrible, you celebrate the things that are good, and the rest will come out in the wash. Very, very good point. To more directly, to, to directly answer the question, yes. Yes. See, that was easy. <laughs> I should have just said that. I did the short answer. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, here we go. Jonathan asks, question, do you think the current generation of young adult web celebrities mm. with popular viewpoints are journalists at all? And I'm, I'm guessing... I that he means like Jonathan PewDiePie. Like, I think I think he means like YouTube celebrities in particular. Yeah, that's that's where I went too. You know, Jenna Marbles or something like that. Um, Although Jenna Marbles is a little bit older, but yeah, or Philly D. I wouldn't consider those people journalists. I wouldn't uh, either, I don't, and I don't think they would. Again, it's a sliding scale. Some are more journalistic than others. Some do more independent investigation. Most are just critics. Just critics. Or Perez Hilton, for example. Um, right. Uh, some are, and and critic not necessarily meaning meaning a reviewer. You know, I would call uh, 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 um, my mind slightly blanking. Is it James Portnow? <laughs> yes. Thank you. From extra credits, a critic, but he's not. Yeah. He doesn't just review games. He talks about very, you know, wide ranging, uh, inherent, you know, yeah. issues in gaming. That's yeah. a critical eye. Um, yeah. Not so much like investigative journalism necessarily involved, but definitely high level criticism. Um, yes. That and that's where I put most YouTube people. I, you know, we're just kind of f folks in a, with a webcam or whatever yeah. that are talking at at it right. and, and saying whatever we want in, in a very unentertaining way. I might add. Mm -hmm. um, James and I were on a panel at uh, Con Bravo last year, but I have a funny feeling that if we were ever in the same room and just got a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of drinks and just started talking about video gaming, come to blows. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Pretty, no? it oh. would be the opposite. We would, we would basically be trying to figure out a grand unified theory of video gaming, and we would try to solve that problem before the night was up. And inevitably, there is no grand unified theory of video gaming. Here is a. Yeah, Einstein was right. <laughs> Hashtag Einstein was right. Um, can I just say this is a damn this is like there are some good questions we have, but this is a damn good question. Are you ready for this? Okay. Uh, Pond Life asks, with all the celebrity photos released recently, the fapping. You just do like you saying think, that. Yeah. Do you think I know because I'm, I'm I'll never be able to say it again. No one will even know what I'm talking about. Do you think it would have been such a big uproar? If it had been mostly male photos and not women, would the media be treating it differently and not have so much shaming? Uh, probably. Yeah, uh, I think so. I, I mean, something I noted on Twitter, I wasn't, I wasn't actually trying to get at, at anything in particular. I was honestly trying to, trying to jog my memory. But I do not remember there being this much of a, of a shaming of people. Uh, again, terrible thing that happened. Definitely illegal. People should go to jail. But I don't remember the media basically coming out and saying, oh, my God, this is such a horrible invasion of privacy. And people, you know, you should not watch, you know, look at these pictures because blah, blah, blah. When when Paris, this Paris Hilton sex tape came out like a decade yeah. ago, yeah. more God, of these people saying, well, look at that rich slut. Right. Let's make jokes. And she was just a little bit of jokes, um, right. which is completely and, different. And from she did OK. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, same thing with King Kardashian. Right. Um, yeah. Same thing more recently with other leaked pictures. This is this is different. Right. Uh, I think it's for a few reasons. I think it's for uh, there's um, the social media is very big right now. Uh, so these celebrities can more directly come out and say like, hey, this is this is hurtful to me. 
and I would appreciate it if you didn't do that. And that gets people more on their side more easily. Uh, yes. Uh, also, um, crap, I had another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, uh, lost my... I completely lost my train of thought on that one. Um, social media is a big one that, that yeah. is different now than, there, than it, it was. It, it's the biggest factor. It, it has to be. If, if there was no capability to share photos this quickly, share content this quickly, this wouldn't be an issue. There's been... There have been um, small pockets of people that have been interested in this kind of a thing, be that sad, be that whatever you think it is, um, for a long, long time. Like people like some really screwed up crap. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it just so happens now that those little, t- that little tiny group of people that like to see all the screwed up crap are like putting it everywhere now because of social media. Yeah. Um, would it have been different if, you know, it, it's kind of a tough thing to say. Um, it's clear that the people that were, that were hacking, you know, and I guess I'm messing with the question here, but the the people that were hacking weren't really interested in male photos. However, anybody that's seen any of the photos, there definitely are male photos involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, they ended up with them. Um, I don't think that was the target necessarily, but. Wasn't the target and that's the point. I, I think, you know, uh, would it be a big uproar with, with, with men? I think so. But at the same time, you know. For example, uh, I heard Buster Only was on the radio today, and he was talking about the fact, hey, listen, what's going to happen when you sit down with Justin Verlander next week? He's like, I'll, know, I'll tell you exactly how the conversation's going to go. I'll sit down with Justin Verlander, and I'll say, hey, Justin, you got anything to tell me about what happened with all the pictures last week? And Justin Verlander will look at him and say, can we just move on? Yeah. And I think that's probably what would have happened if it was a bunch of guys. I will say, I honestly don't. Penises are inherently ugly. Can I just say that? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I, I'm might be speaking from nothing. I don't think any of these actresses will have their careers ruined by any no, of this. Any I, I, I think there's been too many leaks of, of various things to happen. It's made some careers. Frankly, would anyone know who Kim Kardashian was no. or is or or Paris Hilton uh, if, if <sighs> that didn't stuff didn't come out? I don't think uh, Jennifer Lawrence in particular is, is going to have any issues. No, nah. do not think so. Uh, Shane asked, did you do anything special for the Illusion of Gaia 20th anniversary this past Monday? Did we? No. We had a surprise party for, um, I, I don't know where I was no going No one in that. particular? I'm just going yeah. to abort. Sorry. Yeah, done. Unfortunately, no. Um, but that's an interesting note, show note there. Yeah. Uh, Good friend of the program, Psychopather, who I'm glad got to join us, is uh, asked, what is by far the worst gaming news site? That's oh. a tough question. Oh. There are a lot of really bad game sites. If we're talking about like big sites, yeah. Yeah, I mean, big sites are tough. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the sites bef- that had some, had some good writing before a lot of the, the splits that happened, you know, some of the very, very early, early gaming sites just turned into utter garbage. Um. What what GameSpy became and what GameSpy was? Oh, you mean GameSpy was terrible. Or GameSpy. No, GameSpy because oh, okay. and I know GameSpy no longer exists. My point is, when it started, it was something, and when it ended, it was a media site, and it was terrible. Um, you know, I don't really like some of the old guard sites like an IGN. I used um, to when I was in college. I used to go to IGN all the time. Yeah. Uh, even on the forums because there wasn't much else in town. But yeah, I'm not um, really up on that. I tend days. I tend to avoid particular um, journalists instead of sites. Like people yeah. people like to poop on Kotaku all the time, and they, they definitely yeah. have their issues. But um, 
like I said, Jason Schreier, I've been following his stuff since he was on uh, Joystick, and I find him a breath of fresh air. I think he's very good. I think I'm kind of switching this around to people I think who are good. I think that uh, Chris Kohler is excellent at, at Wired. Um, I don't like Ben Kuchera. I really don't. Uh, I, I think he yeah. writes, for lack of a better term, uh, clickbait articles. I and completely agree. And, of, and that's one of the reasons why they got him, if they're being honest, because it's Polygon. their own venture. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes off on he goes off the rails frequently. And, and he went off the rails when we saw him at, at PAX. Yeah, and, and, and he is very quick to be antagonized and, and, and lash out at people, which I don't yeah. think. Very defensive. Very thin-skinned. Extraordinarily. I, I just feel icky reading his stuff yeah. essentially yeah um, people call us jerks all the time what do we do but Have there's fun. other folks on polygon which i think are good uh, uh the uh, mackleberry brothers are are generally Both. very good very good absolutely so, again it's more the journalists than the site because I because a lot of these people write for ver for multiple sites so yes. yeah and different content for each yeah uh brian the game anthropologist has a question for us yes do robotic journalists dream of electric ad revenue <laughs> no, no, because robots don't dream, you idiot. <laughs> Next. Speaking uh, of being antagonized, really easily. Oh, yeah, I, I, didn't I just talk about not having things? Uh, yeah, oh, skin, whoops. Skin? Yeah, whoops, sorry. I mean, uh, great question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure they do. Let's see. Um, okay, there, this, this person has a couple questions. I want to I I plop this down here. Ready? Cameron asks... Favorite video game movie? Hmm. I think we've had this before. It's, we we have. It depends on how you define video game movie. Um, yeah. Because, you know, The Last Starfighter really is an excellent movie. But it's not based on a video game, technically. No. no. It's a movie about a video game. So um, I heard there is, a, there is a game movie coming out that we should, that's, that's probably going to be absolutely horrible. Because it's, it, but it stars um, Adam Sandler and Peter Dinklage, and um, no, I'm not making this up. And basically, it is about the fact that uh, aliens were spying on the United States or on the the world, I guess, which we know is the United States anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Point is, um, they were spying on us, and what they realized was that the best way to attack they learned things from what we were doing in the 80s, so that they could attack us. I think I've and, heard about this. Yeah, and what what they realized was that they needed to come attack us just like they attack in video games. So what ends up happening is they have to enlist the help of really, really good 80s video gamers, Adam Sandler and Peter Dinklage, among yes. others, this, to go and defend the entire world. This sounds awful, yet could be good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I'm excited about that. So uh, I figure I'd throw that one out there. I'll also say Wreck-It Ralph. I, haven't, I still haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph. i got to see that. I, I feel we've had this conversation before. I have deja vu. You need to watch it. It's good. I know. Dis Disney, not Pixar necessarily, Disney animation studios have been on a roll lately um, with, with Wreck-It Ralph, with Frozen. I hear great things about Tangled. I still haven't seen that one, but yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Ba -ba -da -ba -da. The J-Stain asks, will you or Rue be buying the next model of 3DS? No. And what do you think of the pending exclusive releases for it? I think that's bullcrap. <laughs> I, 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 I'm mildly frustrated about that. Uh, mildly? I, yeah, mildly, because I, I, the 3DS is not that old. And, and to reduce... to It's kind of like the DSi, I suppose, although that, that came out, like, what, 2009 or so? Yeah. Uh, so it was, like, five years after the, the DS came out. I, I, I'm, I, I tend to skip 
portable generations every few. Uh, it's it's not super necessary for me to get, and I, I won't. However, you don't have a 3DS. Yes. And you should get one. Therefore, Why? because then we can play Smash Brothers 3DS. That will not work. That will not work. I won't cower to your... Do it. Peer pressure. Are you a misogynist? Do it. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, let's see. I know Cameron already had a question asked, but this one's really good. Would you rather have Navi or Tingle in Super Smash Brothers? Navi would be terrible fighter. Tingle, yeah, I know. Tingle would be awesome for the same, not the same reason that the Duck Hunt dog is awesome, but just yeah, because I could, I could it would see be, Tingle. It'd be different. Yeah, I could see Tingle. Yeah, I could see Tingle, but I, I Navi, meh. Kuala Lumpur or whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Did I say Kuala Lumpur anyway. Let's see here. Um, DTX180, good friend of the program, has a question to ask. Do you think this gaming journalism problem is primarily a Western society issue? Because as I see it, this type of corruption, I see this, I'm sorry, I see this corruption in more than just gaming journalism. So do you think it's a Western journalism problem? Well, as you said before, all things considered, the Western world's journalism journalism is mm-hmm. better than the rest of the world's yes uh, you look at places like china which have very tight restrictions yes. uh, and it makes you relatively happy for what we have it, exactly so uh, I, I think it is you know can, can i say this i think that just like many problems in the world not necessarily problems but issues that arise in 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 the world There are certain kinds of things that are only enabled by a certain standard of living. Okay? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So we are talking right now about video games. Video games, even just 15 years ago, were considered luxury items by only people that had enough money to buy them, hook them up, and play them. Right? You can only have gaming journalists... To go after, to go, you know, market and, you know, talk about folks that are interested in gaming, which would be a niche of a niche market. These are all things that are enabled only by a certain amount of affluence of a society that the Western world, at least most of the Western world, continues to provide. Okay. So... Is it a gaming problem unique to the West? Probably, but that that's probably because most of the gaming journalism at this level happens to be Western in nature and enabled by the fact that we have them um, by virtue of our society. We rel- I don't think there's anything more than that. Yeah, we relatively have it very well or, or yeah. very good over here. So. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to go to the last question now. This is... Last question? We're not going to well, do a I lightning mean- round? I mean, we're, we're crunched for time here. Lightning round. Come on, man. Five questions. Right. Go. Oh, da, 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 da. that's not okay, a question. So, <laughs> I, know. Well, I, I skipped a bunch because I didn't think we would be doing a lightning round. So now I'm going to go back. We've got to do a lightning round. Okay. Um, hold on just a second. Now you're going to make me scroll all the way down. Okay. Um, Unprepared. Totally no, unprofessional. I, 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 I skipped some of them. TV's Mr. Neal asks, is there any end in sight for this madness and what will be the landscape of gaming in the foreseeable future uh, I assume by madness they mean just this poop show going on right now it, it, that's it of course of course the the internet has a, has a short attention span and people will move on in the course of a few weeks um, 
I think it's important that we don't forget the lessons to learn from it. And by that, basically what we talked about is that what we talked about tonight, we should hold gaming journalists to a, I don't think it is asking a lot for more transparency. That's not a huge standard, but we should hold them to that. Uh, I agree. Hopefully, if nothing else, that comes out of it. Uh, Gamers are not over. People aren't going to stop identifying themselves as gamers uh, on the whole. Uh, Zoe Quinn will go and do whatever Zoe Quinn does. um, And some people will always carry a torch for hating her. But, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter that much yes at all um i would i don't want to butcher this person's name so i'm just going to read their twitter handle scar three crow four five one asks um do you guys live in the same town recent follower um, no we don't we, we used, used to. to go check out some of the old uh <laughs> echo screen lives uh the show was mildly less entertaining when we were both in the same room yeah so we decided to move to different states yeah it totally precipitated the whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we moved uh, you know, about 800 miles apart. Uh, let's see. RPG Tour Guide asks, do you have any good convention stories to share? And he also asks, are, we, are you going to MAGFest next year? We've already answered that part. Yes, I'm going to MAGFest. Commodore's not. Uh, good convention stories. Good convention stories, man. That's, There's a, a lot. That's a tough one. Yeah, there is. It's just fun meeting people in general. Um. My first panel ever was at MAGFest a few years ago, and I happened to be with uh, Pat the NES Punk, who I had known previously. Uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd, who I just met right before the panel, that was interesting, and uh, Justin mm-hmm. Carmichael, uh, Jew Wario, uh, and it was on how to make your own web show, basically. Uh, and that was just um, a lot of fun, a, a really good panel, and I really respect all the people on it, except for Pat. Except for Pat, who <laughs> no one respects. Yeah, seriously, come on. Um... Man, I don't know. There's a lot of good convention stories. I, I remember just uh, I, I got randomly placed one time into a line that I wasn't waiting on and um, at PAX. So I wasn't even waiting in line. But one of the enforcers came over and like put me in, in the back of a line uh, for a panel that I, I knew was going on. I know what's going on. And. And I ended up sitting in the front row next to the McElroy brothers and uh, Chris Grant, who is also with Polygon now. This is in the, um, in the joystick days. Yep, when they were all with joystick. And I sat in the front row next to them in a panel that was the Naughty Dog panel that year. And they were talking. They had a, a, an entire panel where basically you could uh, create an extra level with the, game, with the developers right there from Naughty Dog, um, an extra level for um, Drake's Fortune. And it was probably one of the best panels I've ever seen at a convention ever. Um, people could make real-time decisions. They would show how those kind of decisions would impact the rest of what you know had been already done in terms of work. They would talk about goals. They would talk about how you organize content. Um, and it was all kind of enjoyable because I never really thought I was even going to get in there. And next thing I know, I ended up sitting in the front row with the with these guys that I at the time, you know read all their stuff so a little starstruck at the time yeah it was it was maybe I, they didn't say strong he said good convention stories <laughs> um all right uh, and I'm, I'm calling it this one because my voice is starting to fade all right this is the last question what do you think the end game is going to be and when the dust from all of this crap has settled do you think it could change gaming for the better 
Well, the thing is, there's never an and end. And that was a question from Charlie, by the way. Okay. There, I don't think there's never an end game. There's never an end state in yeah. life. You know, no. I, I, yeah. things are always moving, always changing. Yes. Will all this change gaming for the better? Uh, well, I don't know about gaming necessarily, but how we how we digest media is really more what's what's at stake. Gaming media, gaming journalism, yeah. I should say. Um, will it be for the better? I can hope so. I don't know. Uh, my my idea is I don't know. There's been a lot of crap thrown around, a lot of attacks, personal attacks uh, on both sides that are really not good um, and does not it does nothing to <clears throat> encourage the journalist reader relationship when you have so many journalists belittling honest concerns that readers have yep um, and that the more that happens the more work needs to be done to repair that relationship uh, I don't see this being helpful in the near term, unfortunately. No, but I, here's I'll go a different way and say that I think this could go the way that a lot of kind of brief and ill thought out social movements go, which is that there is a concerted, definitive backlash. Um, and I think to a certain extent, the fact that we're having the show right now is part of that. Right. Um you know, we are we are both people that are gamers, and we don't like the idea that people are trying to hijack that term and turn it into something that it's not something dirty. Um, it's something beyond dirty, something to, offensive to and awful. Of, yeah. Yes, and so as a result, I think there's I think I happen to think there's a lot of people out there that are just like us and uh, have the same kind of feelings. And I think if you actually started to poll people that are gamers, you would find this is not an uncommon uh, opinion. And you would find that those folks are in the horribly, horribly small minority. And what you'll actually see is that opinion get crushed out by the fact that this is a complete distortion of what gaming is. And that we, as folks that are gamers and do identify with that term, um, are actually, you know, uh, kind of empowered. And it can kind of re, you know, reach a, a, a new equilibrium, I'll say. Maybe that's ideal, but I think that's very possible coming out of this. Backlash can always happen, you know, from something like this. Okay, so uh, <laughs> man, we got through. We we did all kinds of stuff today. That? I like this episode. It was good. Um, good job. You know, I I don't uh, <laughs> thank you for everyone in the chat. For yeah, I don't for sticking with us. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if uh, if we uh, came up with any startling conclusions. But anyway, I think the you know. Um, we're very we're very eager to talk about these kinds of issues here on the Echo Screen Live, as well as talking about complete and nonsensical stuff. So um, generally, when we have a really deep kind of thoughtful episode like this, we'll try to follow it up with something very light. So for next time, we need to be thinking about that. And if you have a suggestion as to what you think we should be talking about here on the next episode or any episode of the Echo Screen Live, you can reach us. Um, on Twitter, for example, and if you don't know mine by, by, by now, then, uh, well, you probably haven't asked a question, but it's at, it's the Commodore and, uh, they can reach you, Rue, where? Uh, at, uh, Rue underscore C-O-T-G-W. Uh, and again, I will add, uh, that the Echo Screen Live podcast, uh, if you were having technical difficulties tonight, again, I apologize. Stop at Adobe Flash Player. Um, speaking of technical difficulties, you can find yes. us on, 
uh, Apple's. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. I, the, you can find us on iTunes uh, under the podcast. Search for Echo Screen Live. We appreciate your um, your your reviews. Please, if you are listening to us on iTunes, go give us a review. That helps us get more uh, visibility, and we love you for it. We are also on Stitcher. We are also on the Android podcatching app of your choice. Again, just search for Echo Screen Live. I can find me on my phone. I'm sure you can too. And if um, we can, then any idiot can. Yes, and and we are always here, almost uh, every first and third Wednesday of the month at 9 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern U.S. Eastern uh, time. So uh, you should be able to find us here in two weeks, correct, Commodore? Hello, Smithers. Is there You're quite good at turning me on. Is there anything that would prevent us from being here in two weeks? Nothing I can think of. Okay. Let's, let's let's just say let's just say we might have an unexpected new co-host oh, next time. Mysterious. Uh, okay. It's mysterious. So expect us back here on Wednesday, September seventeenth at nine p.m. Eastern, when we will have another fun-filled topic to uh, you know lash your ears with. Yeah. So. And and yes, uh, we did, and we will continue to say testicle difficulties. Um. Thank you for hanging with us on this extra long episode of the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. By the way, if you are looking for us anywhere else, you can always find us at clanofthegraywolf.com, where you can find this show and lots of other fun things to look at, uh, like videos that we are ashamed that we made even a short five years ago, Yes, uh, for example. So check that out as well. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for those of you that are watching. Thank you for being a part of the conversation for Rue. I am the Commodore from the Clan of the Grey Wolf, and there is no reset button. See you next time. Looking at this, it seems we had about 250 peak concurrent viewers. That is a record for I know the Screen Live. It was a lot of people, right? We had a lot of good conversation today. It was good. Yes. It was a hell of a lot better than last time. I know. When we had Pat on and he was giving us the Pat bump. We got to tweet at that piece of garbage and tell him that he can, he can take his Pat bump and he can shove it up his butt. You censored yourself on that one. <laughs>